Does the idea of being part of a small, dedicated group of entrepreneurs all focused on massive growth excite you? Well, if so, I'm happy to report that my inner circle mastermind, otherwise known as the round table, where I work throughout the entire year with just 10 entrepreneurs, is kickstarting another year in January 2019. Not only that, but I'll be hosting and working with both a UK and a USA group this coming year. So if you're all about more access, more structure, more accountability, and ultimately more success, then this is the mastermind group for you. Now, this is the group of people that I work closer with more than any other throughout the year, and I'd love to welcome you if there's a good fit. So head over to chrisducker.com forward slash roundtable and apply today. And me and my team will get back to you. Now, on with today's episode. This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 317 of Youpreneur FM. Thank you very much for joining me. You are in the right place, my friends. If you wanted to build a powerful, profitable business based around your personal brand and the people that you want to serve. And uh, man, what a great show we've got lined up for you. Dan Schwabel is back on the show. He's been, actually, it's been a long time. <laughs> Clearly, I've, I've got to stay in better contact with some of my friends in the industry. It's been a while since Dan was on the show, but I know you're going to love this conversation. We're talking all about his new book, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. And boy, it was eye-opening. Statistic Rama right here coming from Dan. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our acceleration training library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums. And you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com today for more info. So this conversation with Dan, I know you're going to love it. We're not going to hold up any longer here. This is something that I've been wanting to dive deep on for a while. The work-life balance myth, the connectivity that we are I think for one of the better terms, pushing away in a more connected society than ever, we're even more disconnected as we were decades uh, ago. It's a real eye-opener. Dan's a super smart guy and has a lot of very super smart friends. So open up your eardrums and listen in to myself and Dan talking all about why we need to get back to human. So, Dan, welcome back to Youpreneur FM. It's been a heartbeat, but I'm glad you're here. 
Time flies, my friend. It's it good sure, to talk with you, Chris. It sure does, man. Now, you have been, I mean, you're always a busy boy. You're always a busy boy. But uh, you have been a very busy boy recently working on this new book, Back to Human, which when I realized what the title was, and then you know me and my kind of philosophy of P2P or people to people and all this kind of stuff, this was just like ringing me, you know, slapping me around the head like with a wet fish, literally. Like finally someone's written this book to dive deep into this, but you haven't just written a book here. It sounds to me like, like this is almost like a clinical study for want of a better term. How many interviews for this? Okay. So I conducted a research study with Virgin Pulse, one of the 400 Virgin brands under Richard Branson. We interviewed over 2,000 managers and employees in 10 countries. And then I myself interviewed 100 top young leaders at 100 of the best companies in the world, which took 850 connections, you know, through recommendations from executives and phone calls and emails over three and a half months. So significant amount of data and stories and advice and and new perspectives and 220 citations, so other secondary research. So between that and then I got a professor to work with me on the Work Connectivity Index Assessment, which is a free self-assessment that you can take at workconnectivityindex.com, and it measures the strength of Mm -hmm. your relationships with your teammates. So all of that has been collected in this one book. It's it's been about a year and a half to two-year project, and it's the third book, each book helps people get to the next phase of their career. This yep. one is a leadership book because, you know, what we need is empowering, trusting, empathetic leaders now. And so this is the new Bible on how to use technology as a bridge to more human interaction, not a barrier. Technology in many ways can help us be more effective and efficient and eliminate the tasks that we don't want to do, as you know. Mm-hmm, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it could also lead us to more isolation which ends up making us lonely and unfulfilled. And yeah. so we if, we if we realize how to use technology right, it can be of great value and service to us. But if we're overusing and misusing us, it can trap us and actually trick us into thinking we have a lot of friends when we might not, thinking we have, um, we're thinking we're productive when maybe we're distracted. And so I think that this is the new book on how to manage in this new technological age mm-hmm. in a way that feels human, right? The, the thing is, no matter how sophisticated the, these machines get, it's really all about working side by side with the machines and ensuring that our humanity is our bi- biggest differentiator and we need human connection to survive after safety, security, food and shelter. We need love and friendships. Otherwise, we'll never be self-actualized. So that's one of the things that's consistent no matter what happens, right? Like 24 hours in a day, you're born, you're, you die, you pay taxes, and we, need the, we have the need to human connect no matter what happens. That's something that's really core to who we are as people. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the way I look at it. Is, I mean, if you look at it from a society perspective, I mean, we have never been more connected as society as we are today. However, I also believe that we've never been as disconnected as well, because all you got to do is look, I mean, I was just out for, for, for dinner with my family last week here in Cambridge, and we're at a lovely restaurant, we're sitting there, and there was another family, maybe, I don't know, three or four tables away from us, and all four of the family members, the mum, the dad, and the two children, all four of them were on devices in a restaurant at dinner, 
And that blew my mind because, I mean, we have a no device rule at the table at home, let alone out in bloody public. So I was just like... We, this is messed up. Like, we, like you say, we need to find that kind of that that balance, that synergy, right, between kind of what is out there for us in terms of the tech and and advancements and innovations, or whatever, and then how we do ultimately get back to being more human and and connecting in the right way. I, I love Doctor Oz's quote in the conclusion of the book: "Is don't confuse movement with progress." <laughs> Even though yeah. we think that technology is pushing society forward. Don't be fooled into thinking that that's the great solution or, or that we're heading even in the right direction. Obviously, technologies will continue to improve and enhance and we'll be using voice more and virtual reality and artificial intelligence. But is that really moving us you know, forward as a society when the core of what we're really looking for is friendships and love and affection and and just to be in the workplace, even at home, to be in an environment where you can just be yourself? And I think that's what people want more than ever before. They don't want to be the Chris you know, in a work setting and then, you know, a different Chris in a personal setting, you know, oh, yeah. you with your family versus you at work. People don't actually want that, <laughs> you know, like people don't want to wear a costume to work or like a suit and a tie. Like they just want to be them. And, and when you as a leader can support people's individual needs and let them be themselves and create a safe uh, environment, they're going to perform better. Like Google's pro- project Aristotle was they were look Google was looking for what makes the most high performing teams and they found it was like leadership where you know the leader made everyone feel supported so that they could take risks and not be punished for taking those risks and that's mm. where the best ideas came from in the highest performing teams so I, I think that creating a really healthy environment at work benefits your entire life and it's the reason why I focus so much on improving workplace cultures because we spend a third of our lives working so if we hate our job and work is really the work you do and the people you do that work with, mm. if that situation's not good, it doesn't matter what company you work for, where you, what location, it's going to affect your workday and personal life because it's not like you're going to come home to your wife and kids and friends and not complain after a bad workday. And if you're also dealing with personal issues outside of work, that's coming with you to work. Oh yeah. So everything is interrelated. But for me, I'm I've really mastered the work part, I mean, personal stuff I'm, I'm always working through, but if, if we can improve workplace cultures, it really improves someone's entire life. And I think what resonates the most with you for, from the book and the biggest outcome was on remote work because you manage a lot of remote workers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And yep. what's really fat and I've worked remote for over eight years. So this, this part really resonated with me and me trying to figure out how to work in a team, work with Oh yeah, no, totally. And I would say, yeah, and I would say also that you know the very large majority of the audience of this podcast are going to be in our shoes as well. They they are a business owner. They work remote nine times out of ten at home, coffee shops, co working spots, whatever you want to call it. And we have a remote team of some variety, whether it be one or two employees or a whole bunch of them. So yeah, I mean, keep going. I I love this. We're getting into this straight away. This is to me. This is the most interesting thing that came from the book is that everyone talks about the light side of working remote. I have even, I've done studies with Upwork, which used to be Odesk, and we found that people want to want flexibility because they want to work when, where, and how uh, they want, and so they want to be empowered to be able to do that. So the light side of remote work is the ability to work when, where, and how you want uh, on your terms as long as the work gets done, and that that is a trade-off that employees will except all the time, right? Like a third of the global workforce works remote often. Yep. 
but yet two thirds are disengaged because the dark side of remote work that does not get talked about in our global society is the isolation you get from not having human contact. Mm. And so what's happened is, is that we have enjoyed this flexibility of working wherever we want, but there's a cost. The cost is you're not fulfilling your human need to connect with other people. And that's why I recommend in the book, you know, at least video conferencing. I have leaders that I interviewed that will make sure they fly to the remote sites at least once a year or that they'll, they'll spend, you know, a few, uh, you know, $20,000, $50,000 to fly all the remote workers in because even, even a little FaceTime every year can prevent turnover. Right. And so the big finding from the book is if you work remote, you're much less likely to say you want a long-term career, your company. So working remote actually impacts team and organizational commitment. And to me, that's fascinating because I think about my life and to be honest, and I've told my business partners this, if I didn't see or hear them in a year, I'd be out. Right. I'd be out. I'd be like, here's my shares, you know, enjoy, have fun. Right. Because there'd be no connection uh, beyond work. I, I just wouldn't feel like I belong. And I was part of a team anymore if I didn't see or hear them. So I think phone calls, I think video conferencing, I think, you know, a, you know, we do an event every quarter where we bring in over a hundred executives. Even those events are useful because I'm seeing my business partners, I'm seeing the team, I'm seeing customers and we need that, right? To be sticky with customers, just like employees, you have to see and hear them. Absolutely. And especially if they're paying, if you if they're paying you a lot of money, the expectation is that you're going to be with them is, is that they can pick up the phone at any time is that you have to make time for them. If you want them to continue to invest in you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So, okay, let, let me, so let's rewind a little bit here. And I want to, I want to go, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the remote side of things in a second, but let's rewind a little bit. Richard Branson, surely it must be somebody with his kind of flexible work, you know, kind of ethic and allowing employees to, to kind of have this flexi time and, and work at home as much as they want and all this sort of type of thing. He must be a guy that kind of floats your boat, I'm assuming, when it comes to this stuff. Am I right? Of, of course. Right. I mean, I've interviewed him four times. The My favorite interview, which you can watch on YouTube if you Google our names or YouTube our names, it was last year in San Francisco. And he said something that was really cool about work friendships that and flexibility is that if you have a lot of flexibility outside of work, you should have the same flexibility at work. If right. you have a lot right. of have you if you have a lot of friends outside of work, you should have this equal amount of friends inside of work, right? And so he thinks there should be no difference. And to me, that resonates you know significantly because you know not having your phone is a new vacation. The average work week in the United States is forty seven hours a week. There's no nine to five work day. We're always kind of working. Right? There's always a feeling of guilt if we're not responding to emails or texts outside of office hours. Right. And because of that, there was a trade-off. And this hit actually even before I interviewed Branson. When I was working at a Fortune 200 company, I created one of the original social media positions, as you might remember, at EMC Corporation, now EMC Dell. And, and the head of HR for the whole company, I interviewed for an early podcast. I'm talking, this was 2008, I believe. And I said, you know, tell me about flexibility. Like people work really hard at this company. And he said, well, there's an expectation that workers are bringing work home with them. 
So we are accepting of people who do personal things at work. And that was the first spark Mm. in my head that flexibility was really important back in 2008. And since then, I've done many studies on flexibility. Flexibility has become the number one employee benefit worldwide. We did a whole study on that. So in 2014, the number one employee benefit for uh, we interview people who are between the ages of 22 and 35 uh, was healthcare coverage. And then it, in, in 2016, it became flexibility. So flexibility is incredibly important. And most people don't know. I mean, flexibility is kind of overarching, right? It's flexible hours, uh, job sharing, telecommuting, which is what we've been talking about here. It's you know maternal paternal leave. It's flexibility in terms of what you wear to work every day, a suit versus a T-shirt. Um, so in, in terms of the office space, flexibility is working from a cubicle one day, working from a lounge the next day, like having options in terms of learning too, learning options. So flexibility is extremely important to people, uh, for my people, my age, I'm 35, there's a million new people, a million new millennial moms every year. So catering to that flexibility that they all need is important. So flexibility is important. It's something that obviously you preach and, and that you've lived and that freedom is extremely powerful. Um, but we have to be smart about how we use that time too. And if, Hmm. if, if we look at our calendars and we live and die by our calendars and if it's not on, if it's not on our calendar, it doesn't exist. We have to integrate our work and our life into our calendars. That's the solution. I love that. Okay, so let's dive on that a little bit then because I'm often quoted as saying that if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. Like I'm a big believer of putting everything that I want to achieve throughout the course of the day on my calendar. And I mean like to the point of 15 minutes for social media comments on the calendar, 20 minutes in the morning for email, 20 minutes in the morning for, you know, in the afternoon rather for for email, um, you know, 30 minutes on the cross trainer at 6.30, you know, like everything goes on the schedule. And some people th- call BS on this, by the way. They, they think I'm talking complete crap and then I show them my phone at like just random places like conferences or dinner parties or whatever. And I live by this. My team lives by it. And I believe it's one of the reasons why we get um, so in- so much done so incredibly well in such a short space of time every day because I only work six hours a day, Monday to Thursday. I don't work Fridays. I haven't done for almost five years. I kind of like having a three-day weekend. We talk about being flexible, right? So there it is. So th- what I love about ba- balance this- Balance doesn't exist. What's that? Balance doesn't exist and it means that there could be a trade-off. Yes, love it. And why, why should there be trade-offs in life? Why don't you just maximize each day and- absolutely. And- and input the personal and professional related tasks that are most important to you. And, and you probably do this too, is I do that the night before, a few days before, so that it's not like I wake up and I have to like scramble to figure out what I want to do on a day, on a daily basis. It's all planned. Yes. And I think it's so powerful, like just like inputting, you know, for lunch today, I'm going to go, you know, get lunch with one of my friends in the Upper West Side in New York City. And, and then I'm going to come back and I got to work on this research study and then I got to promote the book later. But then, you know, at eight o'clock I'm, you know, going to an event and the event, you know, might, it might be professional, but it's also, I make it personal too, because I'm actually meeting people. Maybe you have something in common, maybe they become a friend. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the integration of work and life is, is never been more important. And, you know, in the book, I have the now former CEO of Campbell Sue who said that she believes in work-life flexibility. That's how she operates even at that high level. And then, uh, recently I think it was 
six months ago, Jeff Bezos came out and called it work-life harmony, making sure that they, they're both connected, they're both working together to make you complete. I mean, you, you, you mentioned Bezos there, obviously Amazon. I read not so long ago that apparently, I think it was last year, 2017, Amazon added something like 5,000 remote workers to its employee base around the world. That's 5,000 remote workers. That's a big chunk of now probably what they, I don't know exactly how many people they employ worldwide, but that's a big chunk of people, right? I mean, do you see that this is something, particularly these larger companies are going to be maybe jumping on the bandwagon a little bit more as time goes on? Yeah, that's why the remote sec- the remote worker advice and research in the book is so important because it's not like we're going to wake up in 30 years and there won't be any remote workers. Huh, right. Like all the research shows that it, there's going to be more and more every year. So we got to get ahead of this and think about how do we build stronger relationships with people we don't even see often. Um, and it's actually just going on book tour and speaking to a lot of leaders at various companies at various conferences, that's the biggest thing that gets brought up in the Q&A portion of my uh, keynote is, you know, how do we manage all these remote workers? And I think it's, I think it's being deliberate. I think every Mm -hmm. Monday, like my team and I, we have a call. It's not, it's not a text uh, group chat. It's a, a call every Monday. So we make sure that everyone's on the same page and we're moving the ship together. Love it. As a team. And everyone plays their own role, even though there's, you know, three business partners and employees, everyone knows what they have to do starting on Monday. And then throughout the week, they just execute. And then Monday we check up again, where are we? And it's constant. It's every Monday. It's always scheduled the same time. So consistency is not just what builds brands, but it's also what builds real genuine relationships and gets everyone on the same page, head towards the same goal. So I think that's pretty standard. And then we have some offsites. We'll do some events like we're going to, we'll go to a Broadway show every December around Christmas time. Love it. We'll, we do our four events every year, two East Coast, two West Coast. This year was actually, we, we were in Toronto at BMO, which is one of our clients. So I think I so when you get the deliberate. team together, I think, I, I mean, deliberate is the word there. Clearly it's on the schedule. It is what it is. And here's the thing. Here's what we found from the research too, Chris, is that this is actually, I'll, t- I'll give you two really interesting things. One is the biggest thing that gets in, in the way of human interactions at work is email. Yet a study in the Harvard Business Review found that one face-to-face interaction is more successful than 34 emails exchanged back and forth. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. mutual understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we asked, you know, what's the best way to create a more social work environment? And we asked employees this. And they said workations, they said team building activities and offsites. Mm-hmm. Yet only 20% of companies actually do that. So when you are together with your, with your team, what are you doing on these offsite get togethers? What, what kind of activities do you get involved with? Yeah. You know, it's part work and part just having personal related conversations, like yeah. just figure out where people are. You know, if there's, you know, uh, one of our employees just had a kid and so we, you know, went out for her, we got her, you know, catered lunch and, and didn't really talk too much about work. Right. But then, you know, once that's over, then we'll have a, a partner meeting. Right. And so, like, we're always trying to figure out, you know, how do we in, do both at the same time or, or separate but together? Because, you know, we got to get 
we got to get things going forward. But at the same time, we have to continually remember we're all humans at the end of the day. We're mm. not just here, you know, make widgets, right? That's what, it's one of the comments someone said on a panel that I was moderating. Uh, y- you know, we have to treat people like human first, you know, and I think that gets lost in a world that promotes burnout, right? You know, more and more people are experiencing burnout. We found in a study with Kronos earlier this year that 73% of the global workforce doesn't have enough time now for personal personal related activities. So you don't have enough time for personal related activities. You're working more hours. You're not getting paid more based on that amount that amount of effort. And so because of that, um, because of that, you're being burned out, and it's being it's counterproductive. Totally. I agree 100%. I mean, I went through burnout myself many years ago. It was not pretty. Um, And obviously, you learn from it and you get to sort of understand what the warning signs are in case you're maybe, you know, burning the candle at both ends a little bit. And and I also saw it almost burnt out, almost burnt out on my first book launch as well. And obviously, you know, you live and learn by these sort of situations. Um, It's not pretty, not at all. Like a true blue burnout is scary as hell and it can leave lasting results, both physically, you know, mentally. Mentally and and I guess you know from a personal perspective, relationships and things like that as well. And it's going to get a lot worse too, because at least in the United States, they have these companies now have unlimited vacation day policies. And the reason why they do, it's just very, it's honestly very disingenuous why they do it. And here's why: it's because if you lay off an employee, they can't cash in on their. Uh, guaranteed vacation because there's no guaranteed vacation huh. with unlimited vacation days. So it's it's awful. And, and I only know that because I've had like private discussions with pretty senior executives at companies. So like anytime you see that a company is going out with that, it's because it saves the company money, which it's so, it feels so disingenuous. That's, That's the only reason why I talk about it. I don't care if a client yeah. gets angry. I don't care if clients get angry because I, I just, it's very disingenuous and it doesn't feel right. And guess what? It contributes to burnout because now, now people, because they can always take vacation, they end up not taking vacation. <laughs> so they get even more burned out and unhappy. And then, you know, if, if they get laid off at will, then they they suffer because they don't have enough money to transition into the next job. It become they they end up making a bad career choice out of necessity, not out of not out of actually wanting something new and, and challenging because there's so much pressure of not having the money. Yeah, I agree with you totally. I, as somebody so, so who I, hires I almost 400 people, it's I I couldn't even imagine having that kind of mentality towards people's time off. Yeah, and. You know, I think that if you establish a good culture, when you only have five people, that can carry on by hiring the right people. I have a whole chapter on hire for personality, hire for personality, train for skill. It's like hire based on people you get along with and that you can, you know, establish good relationships with because then that that those people will stay longer. I did this whole thing in the study and for the book on work friendships. I thought that was a, a really important thing to talk about. I think work friendships are incredibly important. Uh, 7% of the global workforce has zero friends at work. Half of the global workforce has five or fewer friends. Uh, this is the worst in Germany and the people who are the most social are in Brazil, <laughs> just front backs. But, <laughs> but I, I think the point, the point with this is because we're spending so much time at work, if you don't like the people you work with, if you don't get along with them, if, if you keep yourself around them, then you're just not going to stay with the company long. You're not going to feel it's much easier to leave a company 
of acquaintances than friends. Mm, absolutely. Like, think about this. Like even if, if even if you get a, another job offer for five thousand dollars more, you're probably not going to leave because the cost of leaving is much greater when you're leaving a work uh, family. So the thing that's that has you know I've been thinking about over twelve years of studying workplace cultures it, are the top ones, the ones in the best place to work list are the ones where you feel like you're part of a family. Because there's four key employee engagement factors in the book. It's belonging, trust, purpose, and happiness. And they all need to be working together. And while technology can sort of help facilitate some of them, really those are the core, regardless of technology used and workplace, is if those aren't working together, if people don't feel like they're part of something bigger than them, if they don't feel like they can be their full self at work and that they'll have support, if they're not you know, happy and engaged in their work, if they don't trust their leader, it's over. Mm. It's over. You know, I was telling this to someone even last night. It's like trust is the foundation of everything. If you don't trust someone, you're not going to work hard. You're not going to stay with them long. It's everything falls apart, right? Relationships uh, in, in the workplace, outside the workplace. And if there's no sense of purpose, then you're just kind of phoning it in every day. And eventually that will wear on you and you'll be looking uh, for a different job. And if you're, if you're not happy and fulfilled, you know, the first chapter is focused on fulfillment. If, if you're not fulfilled, then not only are you not going to make, be able to make other people fulfilled, but that it's going to wear on you psychologically and emotionally, and it's not going to be healthy for you. And, and, you know, when these all work together, I think all workplaces can become better, improved, and it's going to end up saving the company money. So everyone's like, oh, like this sounds all great, but is it going to help a company? Yeah, because the big metric is retention. Retention can cost tens of thousands of dollars, right, per employee if you lose them. So like think about this mathematically. Spending $20,000 to fly in all your remote workers for some sort of two-day you know, events where you do team building activities, maybe you build a house somewhere or you teach little kids how to read. Like some, some of these companies do, like Ernst & Young does EY Connect Day, which I love, where they do community service. Um, just any of that, $20,000, like, but to replace each of those employees that have no connection to your company would be more than that. Hmm. So financially, it just makes sense. It does. Okay. And then, and then if they're happy, they're going to promote your company elsewhere. And it's going to make recruiting easier. Exactly. I was about to say, because at the end of the day, you know, as marketers, we're also talking about the fact that word of mouth, you know, is still the best way to sell any product, any services, no matter what it is. The same should be said for referrals inside of the workplace. I mean, we, we probably hire next to probably 25, 30% of the people that we hire. We do so because they've been referred by one of our already based in-house employees. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. The recruitment costs go through the floor as well. In fact, it was something that we focused on a good fair few years ago, and it's become our number one strategy for finding new people. Yeah. And if, and we've done a lot of studying on candidate experience, which is really fascinating. So if you give someone a bad candidate experience, you know, as they apply to work at your company, mm -hmm. they'll never apply for another job at your company again. That's number one. Number two, they'll complain about you online, right? So that'll stay attached to your brand forever. And mm -hmm. branding is branding. So even if it affects, you know, employment, it also affects consumerism too. And so the last part is if you, for instance, if you love, if you apply for a job at Pepsi and the candidate experience is terrible, 
you're going to start to drink Coke. And we found that recently too. So all of this impacts the bottom line. It's just people aren't thinking about that. They're just thinking, oh, well, it's just another person applying. They don't understand that each person that applies is could be a, an advocate for you or a subtractor. Okay. So to wrap up here, let me ask you, when somebody says to you or brings up the subject of work-life balance to you, what is the first thing that pops into your head? Work-life integration. I think it's being in harmony with what you do personally and professionally and having the accountability to construct your day that enables you to fulfill your both, both of your needs. Because once those are fulfilled, then you'll ins- be able to inspire others. Um, you'll be able to maximize your potential in life. And you're just not going to complain. And no one wants to hear you complain. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear anyone complain. You're absolutely right. I love it. I cannot wait to dive even deeper into the book. Um, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in a World of Isolation. Dan, thank you very much for coming on again. It's been a while, dude, since we we had you on the show. We we You need to write another book a lot faster, okay? <laughs> no, you got to – I'm patient. Next book won't be out for years. Oh, but, it, you, you know – everything pays off and it's all about your life voyage and doing what feels right to you at that given point in time. I hear. So thank you so much, Chris. Always a pleasure. No, pleasure is all ours, my man. Um, you guys tuning in, you can get a copy of Back to Human. Uh, links over at the show notes, youpreneur.com forward slash 317. Make sure you check out Dan's site, his Amazon page, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, and I can thoroughly recommend all his past books as well. Like just dive straight in and just completely immerse yourself in this branding world that is Mr. Dan, because I know for a fact you're going to thank me for it at some point when we meet up in the future. Dan, thank you again for being with me, man. Thank you. You take care. All right. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Youpreneur FM. Until then, take good care and bye for now. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. With lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com today. I'll see you on the inside.